Hi, you're listening to episode 41 of the National Centre for Writing podcast. Every week we talk about the writing life and discover exciting new projects. It's the 24th of April 2019 here at Dragon Hall in Norwich. I'm Steph McKenna and I'm joined by my excellent colleague Simon Jones. Hi Steph. Coming up today we've got a lovely chat with Joe Hedinger who's on the booksellers shortlist for individual bookseller of the year and he just so happens to hail from the book hive here in Norwich which is easily one of our favourite bookshops. First while we're on the subject of books what are you reading at the moment? I feel like we don't often ask each other this in the office enough. I know, we should do this more often. We really we? should. Um, so I've just literally just started reading a couple of nights ago Washington Black by S.E. Edijan, okay. which uh, was on the Mambuka shortlist, oh, lovely. I believe, um, and is amazing. About two pages in, uh, I was just hideously upset. Oh, okay, that's and, quite a... Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't waste any time in making me feel really awful. And then a <laughs> just few, what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, and then a few pages later, it's really exciting mm. and thrilling and optimistic, and I have no idea where it's going. Okay, so it grabs you right yes, from the beginning. I can't even really tell what genre it's in, okay. because it, it kind of has one foot in this awful depiction of slavery in a real point mm. in history, mm. and then on the other hand... There's a guy who's trying to build an airship. Okay. And I don't quite know where the <laughs> don't know where that's going. Where like the separation between mm. fantasy and reality is going to be. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's absolutely wonderful. I love so books far. like that. Anything that we you, you know you don't quite know where it's going and you can't quite put a finger on what genre it's supposed to mm-hmm. be. Anything that can kind of yeah, it just leaves it open, doesn't it? You just you don't know where it's going to go. Yeah, and it feels like they can take advantage of genre tropes mm. but because they never fully commit to a genre because you're not restricted by yeah, them you're as never well. quite sure what they're going to do with it yeah. so it makes it really exciting oh, how about so. you um i have cheated ever so slightly because this was um a proof that we received in the office recently it's that, uh, yeah it's a bit cheeky it's not out until june 2019 um but it's joseph o'connor's latest book which is shadow play um and it's been a while since i've read a joseph o'connor book um i read ghost light a few years ago when it came out. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. It's a book that is, it's kind of a fictional telling of a real situation. Um, And it is a look at uh, three individuals and their kind of friendships and relationships. It's Bram Stoker, who's the author of Dracula, Henry Irving and Ellen Terry, who were both kind of very big actors, actresses. um, And they were on the sort of London theatre circuit in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, And they had a very close friendship and they worked together. Um, And it's just, it's a beautifully written book. And it's very much a kind of character study looking at the relationships between these three people. Um, But it also uh, kind of weaves in elements of Dracula because Bram Stoker was writing Dracula at the same time. So you can kind of see these little little places throughout the book where there are kind of moments that obviously inspired part of the writing. And it's a, yeah, it's really, really great. I really enjoyed it. For someone I'm in particular, um, I actually did my dissertation at university on that dynamic between those three people. So it was something that immediately jumped out at me as a book that I'd enjoy. But I think if you're interested in theatre or, you know, as you were saying kind of mixing genres mixing kind of it's a fictional retelling of a a a real situation um if anyone's interested in kind of playing with those kind of genres and those ideas i think it's a really really good book so when it's out in june finally i would definitely recommend that people read that yeah and and if you're if you've already studied those people Mm. and know a lot about them that's although 
it makes it something you'd naturally be interested in. Yeah. It's also you're potentially the most difficult reader. Yeah, for yeah. That kind and of it really matter. won me over. It really won me over. <laughs> I thought it was lovely. And I actually, at the start of my dissertation, I had um, imagined, as the kind of prologue to my dissertation, imagined a conversation between Bram Stoker and Henry Irving that was completely fictional before my dissertation began. So it was really funny to see someone else doing the same thing. It was really, really good. Excellent. Uh, so something I love about the book hive is that whenever you go in there, you will discover something. So many books <laughs> that you've not spotted before. Absolutely. And I don't know how they manage to somehow. There's always a bit of the shop that yeah. it feels like they just put it there just for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so well. It's kind of a mixture of the types of books, that, the range of books they have, but also I think the way it's laid out, you just it's so easy to walk around and kind of be faced with all these amazing, I mean, there's some amazing covers out there as well that really leap out at you, but it's, yeah, it's got some really fun little corners to explore as well. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a maze, that shop, isn't it, with the different floors, and it's exactly what you want from a bookshop, Yes, I yeah, think. it's a bit like a bookshop that you might see in a movie. Yeah, bookshop of dreams. Like a classic bookshop that doesn't really exist, yeah. except it does. Um, and it's here in Norwich. Yes. In the interview, Joe talks about the fact that they don't really have uh, kind of sections mm. for different genres and categories yeah, and what have you. They kind of yeah. mix it all up mm. so that you don't end up just stuck in the bit. You know, I gravitate towards the science fiction area. Yeah, you know your area, yes. don't you? So if I go into other bookshops where mm. they do separate everything out and categorise, you know, I go straight to that and then I don't see anything mm. outside of it. Whereas in the book hive, it's all mixed up. Definitely encourages you to kind of get out of your comfort zone a bit more as well, doesn't it? Yes. And sort of discover something new that you might, maybe might not have initially thought you would want to read, but mm -hmm. then you come across it there. Yes. Um, and they're so knowledgeable as well, those guys. That, you know, everyone who works there is so nice and and yeah, just really knowledgeable about books and happy to talk about books all day, which is great. Yeah, so in our interview, we've uh, Joe is talking to Peggy, Peggy mm -hmm. Hughes, um, the inimitable Peggy Hughes. Yes. And in the midst of this conversation, all sorts of things happen. A, a dog walks into the shop. Oh, so it's a very um, natural setting. It it's is, the books, yeah. The book home and it's true kind of yes. real life. Exactly. Real life um, so yes, when we were doing the interview, uh, the shop was still open. Joe was behind the counter. So customers were coming in and asking questions oh. and what have you. Um, dog as i said it did have an owner it wasn't just okay i'm very excited for the dog it wasn't just moment. a dog browsing for books um but yeah it's, it's a nice little slice of kind of the working shop mm, while mm. also having a chat about how the bookshop does it how joe does his thing where he came from how he ended up becoming a bookseller brilliant and now obviously is uh, nominated for this award which yeah, is lovely absolutely um so yeah let's let's jump straight into uh, peggy and joe having a chat yes there's a sense of bbc6 music a man called Washington Phillips, who was, I think, what, in the 30s or something? Maybe even earlier. And he's only ever recorded 18 songs. But and they have no idea. This is the best bit. No one even knows what instrument it was that he was using. What They've do you got mean? pictures of him and that like, weird thing that they think he made himself. What, the, what kind of it? Like a stringed thing? Or? Yeah, if I, I'll, I'll play you a little bit. It's bizarre. It's like a strange, sort of made it with. I love here. BBC Six Music. Was this Keras? It was actually uh, Killian Murphy who's doing. What he's doing? Oh uh, yeah, I, I, I love really listening is, to him. Yeah. He's great. Because actually, loads of us are, are going or have been already to see Grief's The Thing with Feathers with oh, him. Oh nice. Um, Flo just saw it this weekend. I'm going next weekend as a staff. We've we've dived straight in or dove dove 
do. Joe, so, 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 what? How should we start? We'll just start by saying thanks for having us here at the Book Thank House today, Joe. Thank you for Joe. coming. It's very nice on well, a sunny day. It's lovely. It's a isn't beautiful it? day. It is very. In nice. fact, we just said should we just try and get down a beer garden and do do a little chat there? But uh, it's that no. would be great. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've got to. Someone's serve got to the people sell the books. They are, yeah. um, Joe, so. Uh, yeah, we, we sort of just wanted to chat to you about you and about books and about living and working here in Norwich in the, mm. in the wonderful book hive. Um, but, but obviously because we're all delighted and thrilled for you to be nominated as um, one of the individual booksellers of the year. Thank and you, yeah. Tell us a bit, when, when's the big reveal? When will you know? So that is on May the 13th at the big awards ceremony, Bookshop Awards, British Bookshop Awards in uh, Gro Grosvenor House Hotel in London. It's a very, very swanky do. Um, so I'll be, yeah, donning a tux and going up you to London. You're doing the full that. tux? I didn't want oh, to. Oh yeah, I, I, might, I, might do, I might do a trendy I'm wearing a suit with a cool bow tie. Oh, what, this thing. old thing kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. I might try that because yeah. nice. um, I don't think I've worn a tux for a few years, but <laughs> there wow. we go. And you, um, you won't know in advance, you're just going to go there? Won't know, have, have no idea. Tea. No, it was a lovely surprise. It was suddenly announced. They have loads of different categories for the British Bookshop Awards, which is, in case people don't know, it's sort of like the BAFTAs, I suppose, which sounds a very grand thing to say, but yeah. for books. Yeah. So you've got awards for different books and different categories and the overall book, book of the year. Oh, oh there's our phone Wait, call. this is a working podcast, here people. We go. We're in a working venue here. <laughs> good afternoon, the book hive. This is my favourite corner of the shop. This is the best the bit, years. I think. And yeah. who was that by again, sorry? This is where I always try and sit, where I'm at the page against the machine events. It's my, my nook. No. You have got a copy of the years, Joe. I've seen it. Ah, You've got well, it. I've got an assistant in the shop. You've got it. Yes, I do. I absolutely do have it in stock. Thank you, Peggy. <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Thank you very much. See you soon then. Bye-bye. Well done, that was I that. incredibly uh, well uh, done. I don't Annie, know how Annie or no, she's meant, it's yeah. meant to be brilliant. It's meant to be really good. Yes. Sorry for barging in. Um, That's all right, no problem. So Where yes, was I? Uh, you were telling us that you're about to go to a swanky yes. um, occasion wearing a maybe tux. Maybe um, wearing a tux, yes, for the Swanky Bookshop Awards. Yes, so it's a sort of like the, the BAFTAs for books, lots of different categories uh, for different types of books and then for an overall book of the year. And then you've got uh, awards for publishers, different types of publishers, uh, award for bookshop of the year, and this category of individual oh. individual bookseller of the year, which amazingly I've been shortlisted for, which is quite odd feeling, but it's really wonderful. lovely. Yeah, tell, so. us, tell us a bit about you then, Joe. So how long have you been a bookseller? About two years, just coming up to two oh. years. <laughs> You're a youth still. A very, very small <laughs> amount of time, really, yeah. So I, I was never a bookseller before, and it's actually a decision after having a career for about sort of seven or eight years yeah. to change and to move to Norwich from London to come here. Are you, are you, um, uh, do you feel comfortable telling us about that decision? Like, what Yeah, of course, what, yeah. So, um, so originally, uh, when I was at university, I did English literature and language at university. Loved it, obviously. I love books. Um, and spent three years being incredibly inspired. And then by the end of my degree, I was thinking, oh, I'm ready and raring to get out into the real world. Um, my dad has quite an interesting job. He's an artist. He's a, a decor and lettering artist, and he Ooh. works quite a lot of the time for films and TV. So oh, cool. if you imagine Harry Potter, the film, Diagon Alley, where they go shopping for all their wands and whatnot, all the shop signs and stuff was sort of the kind of thing. My dad paints by hand. He's a really talented guy. Um, so I was at the end of this thing, I was thinking, I would love to do something really creative. What could I do? And I ended up working 
dun dun dun, in advertising. I sold my soul. <laughs> and I really thought, oh, I'll be a copywriter. That, that sounds cool. I can use words to make really lovely things. Turns out you have to, if you really want to get to the, the really super duper places, a lot of people go back to university for another few years, okay. um, take another course in that, and they meet. In, their, in advertising, it's In advertising, yeah, mm -hmm. and they meet a creative partner and, and whatnot. I didn't really have the time or the money to do that, so I ended up being what is sort of nebulously known as a planner or a strategist in advertising. Okay. Um, are you are you Don Dripper then? Is that not what uh, he does? He's more of a creative director, a creative but he director, does a bit of planning, and I think at some point in the series, the birth of planning appears. Oh. But Yes, it was similar, that kind of thing, thinking a lot about the challenge that the client yeah. would bring to you, which was very, very fun, a very exciting few years. I worked for things like Cadbury's Chocolate and Jose Cuervo Tequila, so obviously I had a bit of a whale of a time. <laughs> Perks, yes, but then I then moved on, actually, after a while I got a little bit, I thought, enough of tequila, enough of chocolate, and I wanted to do something that I thought would really have a, a you know, more of a positive impact that you can have with chocolate and tequila, and ended up working for the BBC for a couple of years, um, doing a similar sort of job, which was helping producers and um, people who made products for the BBC, sort of apps and things, conduct some research into what people wanted to see or what, how they wanted to use their products and make them better, make them more worthwhile. So there'd be big projects like Young Women, for example, um, were not that bothered about the BBC. There'd be a big bit of research saying, oh, young women aren't using it very much. Ooh. Why? And very often that's probably because we're not making things that are relevant for them. So we do a big bit of research to try and work out how we can make it more relevant. So that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was really enjoying the BBC. It's a wonderful place to work and really, really great people to work with. But there was a little nagging feeling somewhere inside me going, I, I'm not sure this is really what I want to do with the rest of my life. And um, I was reading a lot and I run a little magazine on the side called Dog Ear, which is a little bookmark magazine. So I, was, I don't think you, I didn't know you ran Dog Ear. I do, I yeah, knew that. secret little hey. thing. So that's me. Um, <laughs> you just told loads of our listeners if that's all right or we yeah, can cut it out. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that I was running that and, that, and I, all these projects and things that got me going, got me out of bed were always things that were to do with, with um, books. And the other really interesting thing is when you're working in this research department that's all very future-facing, looking at what's going to happen in the future and you know, are people going to use virtual reality to view their TV. One thing that came out of all the research is that more and more people were turning back to books and reading. And I found that really encouraging. And there was a moment where I thought, hang on, maybe this is a sign. Maybe I should be doing something. Yeah. E-readers were kind of plateauing. Ooh. Less people were buying e-books and e-readers were not being sold as much. And I was thinking, there's something very interesting going on here. I also had a little bit of an itch to get out of London, as like a lot of people do after a while. It's mm -hmm. great, but then it can be quite tiring. Um, my wife, her family are from here, so in Norwich, and I'd been here on a few weekends and thought, this is a really it's quite, all right. quite, quite a nice place to live, actually. I could do with this, you know, half an hour from the sea and 15 minutes in the broad. That's all right. And um, so I did it. I quit. Um, and I met Henry, who owns the bookshop a few times, as a lot of people do when they come to Norwich and have a snoop around here. I thought, oh my God, this is it. This is, this is the kind. If you I thought was I want to work with that guy. Yeah, if if if, if, if I could work in any anywhere, this would be the bookshop. I, it does exactly what I've always dreamt a bookshop. And what is what do. is that? I want to ask you what it, what bookshops mean to you. Then what should yeah. a bookshop do and be? Um, what should they do and be? Well, they should do and be lots of different things, which is lovely, and they do, actually. Loads of different bookshops around the UK and around the world. But for me, it's a space. It's a, it's a whole experience. It's not just about having the latest books or the, uh, you know, um, a 
good selection of classics. It's a kind of weird marrying of the product, which is the books, the building and the, and the space that you're walking in and the people. And if you get those things working in a nice little soup of niceness, you end up, and it's quite intangible. I don't, I, there's almost like a kind of art slash science to it. But I think Henry's got it here. I mean, we're in this amazing building that's got all these little nooks and crannies and sneaky little corners and there's weird pictures on the walls and robots behind the desk. I suspect and... a lot of people listening, them being local, but not as well. We've got a lot of international listeners and tuners yeah. in. Can you, yeah, just give maybe more of a sense of the shop because it's beautiful from yeah. the outside. It's like a proper golden beacon. I always think when I see it there with its strange yeah. gable or whatever that big curvy bit is. It's lovely, can you, isn't can it? Can you give people a little? Yeah, so it actually... Um, it's a wonderful little story because when Henry originally wanted to open the shop, uh, he suddenly he did a similar sort of thing. Had a moment when he thought, oh, "I might open a bookshop." He um, was walking down this road and saw this building. So if you if you're walking down London Street, which is which was the first pedestrianised street in the, the UK, I believe, um, ever. There you go. Good fun fact. But it, it's a pretty lovely little main street that goes through Norwich on a slight slope, and it kind of leads you into the lanes area of Norwich, which is a wonderful place of loads of little independent shops and whichever direction you're walking you're kind of going down or up on the corner is this lovely green strangely as you say sort of uh, kind of I don't know sort of circles round doesn't it the Ooh. wonderful big glass front that circles around just on the corner and it's this sort of three-story higgledy-piggledy little building with lots of little rooms that go off um, used to be a florist apparently and before that a little cafe and there's been many things so it's been here for a long 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 time Ooh. And um, yeah, little steps all round and little sneaky corners. And it, it's basically crammed full of books now. Um, and one of the things we try to do here is, well, I say try to, it sort of just happened. I think Henry's naturally created an experience that feels like a secondhand bookshop. All the best bits of a secondhand bookshop. Everywhere you look, there's color and books and interest. Um, but it's all new books. Uh, and so it, there's something very sort of, no, homely about it actually it feels like walking into someone's house in a, yes. in a strange way um, and we also don't have sections so we like to mix things up a little bit um, some people who've come in before may have noticed we we do that for a number of reasons one it means that you don't if you are someone who likes books you don't rush to the history section and stay there you either find the book you want or you don't and you walk out you you know, magically wander through this little sneaky path of loads of different things that might jump out at you to get to that. Uh, and also you talk to us, which is really lovely, because it's nice to say hello to people when they walk in. And also if they say, oh, can you help me find something? Then we, we walk around the space together and find something. And that's just really nice. Um, and we have as much as we can face out. So it's all, all the covers are talking to you and you kind of, yeah. I think that's one thing that strikes me about here, not just because it is a beautiful and interesting space, which is, I remember thinking the first time I visited with the lampshades, the art, the kind of, just the, mm. the detail really. But yes, that sense of encounter, which is what I especially love in a bookshop, because that table sometimes has, it changes, doesn't it? It's not, it's not yeah. ever the same stuff. Exactly. And we, we're very lucky, strangely strategically placed, I think. Norwich is an amazing place for for readers and writers for numerous reasons, including yourselves, but there's lots of other second-hand bookshops here, and there's a long history of reading and writing. There seems to, uh, Henry always says, you, you know, if you throw a stone in Norwich, we're gonna hit about 15 or 16 writers on the head with it, because there's so many people here who are writers or freelance writers and or related to that world. It's an amazing place for that. Um, and so 
that is great for the community here, but we're also got we've got Bertrams, which is one of the big wholesalers for books. Um, for people that don't know, that's basically they store all the big books, they get them from all the publishers, and then we order from them. Um, they're one of the two big ones in the UK. They're just based just outside of Norwich, which is amazing for us because it means. Uh, well, first of all, we can get books super quick. So mm. if someone orders something even at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'll have it here by 9.30 tomorrow, Amazing. which is great. Mm -hmm. And it means we don't have to stockpile loads of the same book. Um, so you don't have to panic and get 20 because it's going to take ages to be here. We get one of each and as someone buys it, it gets replaced. And that means we can have a really varied selection. Do you wonder what then, so because Norwich is a UNESCO city of literature, yep. which quick advert for that, it just means that we've had an amazing rich heritage here, but but more kind of excitingly it just means that the present's pretty good and the future is likely to be even better. Yeah, That's, you know, kind of all, it's nice not just thing. about what, what happened before. Um, what does that mean for a shop like here to have that community, as you say, of readers and writers and so yeah. on? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful actually. I think for us, what we've noticed most about that is, well, first of all, there is a big reading and writing community here. And you have something like the Writer Centre, which is there to exist to support readers and writers. Of course, you're going to attract really brilliant people, not just locally as well. That's amazing what you do for translation, for example, means that we get quite an international community. You might have your writers in residence or we do, you know, you run events or we run events that are a little bit off the wall and might different, be different from somewhere else. Mm. Um, so you're getting different cultures as well, I think, which is a really lovely thing to have in a, in a place like Norwich, um, which has its own history, which is very English as well, so you get a real kind of clash. Um, things like the festivals and the big events that we do are really brilliant for us because we can get involved. But also I think there's a sense of pride actually here, which is really lovely. Um, and it means that when we want to collaborate or reach out to other people, there is a real sense of people getting behind everyone else to do stuff. Um, so that might be just a fun little idea we have for a promotion with another business around here. It might be something on a bit of a grander scale where we might help with the, with the upcoming festival uh, or do some book selling. But what it means is there's just a continual amount of discussion and chat around books. And so that kind of stuff just comes a lot easier. It's sort of like the oil that runs mm -hmm. that machine, um, which is great. It's really, really nice to see. Um, and yeah, and I, I can only see it getting better and better. I agree with you. Brilliant. I'm always hugely admiring of your events programme here, not just events per se, but projects and what, like mm. stealthy ways to get people to encounter books and engage with reading and yeah. in new and different ways. Can you say a little bit about some, maybe take a ham like page, maybe yeah, yeah, Page sure. Against the Machine, just, just to give us a flavour of how you cook those things up? Yes. So this is, a, this is sort of my old job and my new life coming together. And it's also just my own personal passion because... Um, I think reading is wonderful, obviously, for numerous reasons. And I think actually reading in the form of reading, sitting with a book, so a long form sort of bit of text um, printed is more important than ever before. Because people are reading loads, by all means, but they're reading things on you know, streams on their phone and stuff like that, which is fine, but it's, it's skimming. And the way we read is changing, and that's doing all sorts of things to our brain and the way we talk to each other and the way we can reason things. So I think it's very important to read books. But that's quite a hard ask for people a lot of the time. And that's perfectly reasonable. And there's lots of reasons why lots of people don't read or don't read that often. That can be anything from, there's a strange thing in the UK, for example, that about 25% of people think you should never give up on a book. Never give up I'm on a that book. Person. Well, I don't know why. No, I don't the, know why. That's a massive stigma yeah. that's a problem because, yeah. of course, lots of people encounter a book and they start reading it, don't get on, they think, oh, I guess I'm not a reader. Mm. And they don't bother reading anything mm. else. And that's a, that's, a, that's a disaster. There'll be other things like, 
oh, I can't remember the statistics on this, but a big chunk of people find bookshops intimidating. Mm -hmm. So they come in and they, they don't, they find booksellers intimidating, they find the space intimidating. Um, you know, and I think a lot of bookshops have countered that by being very cosy and offering tea and stuff, which is lovely, and I think that's great. But I think that there's more to it than that. We need to really interrogate why is it that these spaces, which for so many other people, they hold so dear and offer the complete opposite, you know, freedom and comfort. Why would they be intimidating someone else? There's that kind of thing. So anyway, that, that's the kind of context. I'm very obsessed with that, and I think it's really important to think carefully about that and to try and work out how we can introduce people to, to more books. And I have this little thing I always say to myself, more books to more people in more ways. That's my little sort of guiding principle. And so um, I look at stats that come out rather geekily. Whenever someone does a bit of research, I'll go on the internet and have a little look and think, mm, that's interesting. And one of the things that I saw a couple of years ago was um, a bit of information about why people read. Um, and there was a big chunk of, you know, as, as you'd imagine, a big chunk of people say, I read for entertainment or interest, and that's never really going to change. That's always going to be there. But what was noticed in the last few years is that people were reading uh, to deal with stress and anxiety and to deal with life's ups and downs. That was something that was sort of creeping up as a, a, a stated reason for reading, which I thought was really, really interesting. You know, I guess it's a quiet time away from the muddle of the world and maybe you're reading a book and it helps you sort of relax. So that was the first thing that was really interesting. And then, but then closely followed by a stat that said the main reason people aren't reading is because of the hectic lifestyle, busy, hectic lifestyle. So I was thinking, hang on a second, the reason people want to read is the reason they can't read and they're just stuck in this constant loop of stress, basically. I thought, right, what could we do as a shop and a space um, to help with that? Um, and actually the answer was really, really simple, which is just keep the shop open for an extra hour once or twice a week. I'd like to do twice a week. That's coming, Ooh. maybe. Um, but keeping it open for one, uh, an extra hour once a week and just saying, it's bring your own book, come and sit and come and read just for an hour. Be quiet. It's not too quiet. Again, not intimidating. Put some nice music, maybe some jazz or something in the background just to make it nice and comforting. There'll be a bit of wine, maybe a cup of tea if you fancy it, but just come and read. And... Um, that's been amazingly successful. And I think the, the reason for that is, again, that idea of what makes a bookshop a bookshop. It's this interesting space that's this neutral space between work and home. If I just said to everybody, you know, go read more. Reading's great. They'd go home and then they've got the dinner to cook and they've got Netflix to watch and they've got the kids to put to bed. And by the time they get, they're finished, the reading's the last thing to think about. But if you say there's a safe space between work and home, that's just for this, come and just read for an hour, then it works. It's permission. I've given them permission mm. to do that. Um, and it's brilliant. And it, we've got lots of regulars that come every week. We have new people every week. And, you know, I've, every week I've put it on, I've had people turn up, which I'm amazed at because I think, blimey, it'll just be me sitting reading my book. But <laughs> everyone's here and it's wonderful. So, um, Why do you read? Why do I read? Mm. That is a multifaceted That's huge. Sorry, huge that's so question. difficult. That's why so baggy. I, I don't know. What? Um... I, it's almost like I read so much now that it's, it's hard to think about what, why I read. It just would be imagining not reading being, it's more like what, how do I feel if I, I'm not reading? I guess that's a, a maybe an it's easy way why to do you breathe? Yeah, almost, which sounds very dramatic, but yeah, it's, okay, for me, I think um, it started very young, like lots of other people. It was an amazing world to enter. I realised that you, just with some squiggles on a bit of paper, and a thing in front of me in my brain, I could go to other worlds and meet loads of people and meet fantastical beasts and be on different planets or, 
you know, do do all of those things or learn amazing things. And as a kid, that just to me felt like magic. It's simple as that, really. It just felt like magic. I thought that's very simple ingredients. No battery involved. Nothing. Nothing. I'm not being, you know, hypnotized or anything like that. It's just simply my relationship with this book. Um, and then I started, I guess, writing as a little kid, and, and that was really fun as well. Um, and then as I got older, I think there, there's something about reading, which is related to what we were saying before about Page Against the Machine and stress, is that I think it really does put you in a very unusual state when you're really enjoying a book. You're very much present in yourself, but you're also very much in another space. And I think, you know, maybe meditation is sort of like it. It's not like sleep, it's not like meditation, but it's something completely on its own that basically just makes me feel a lot better. I feel that if I'm quite stressed or busy, you know, I can genuinely pick up a book and I'm somewhere else and, and that helps me, you know, deal with that in the moment. But also I think it's very good for concentration and focus and just being able to think things through carefully. Um, and then there's a, that's just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. There's a myriad of other reasons. I love certain authors and I, the rhythm of language and imagery and how everything works. Just imagination, I think, is the main thing that drives me. Just the sheer amount of imagination that you can find in books and from writers is just constantly brilliant. <laughs> and just, why wouldn't you want to just Amazing. soak that up like a big sponge? Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Um, we're coming to a little end quite soon, but before I mean, can you? It's so hard this question as well. But just like favourite, I don't know. It's I because my favourite book changes every time I read one oh, that I love. Coming. So it's, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, you've got coming. you've got one. You've got one. No, no. I just like the the big questions coming. Favourite book is that what we're saying? That's where I'm going. Yeah. yeah. I, I can never answer that. No, I can I can rubbish, I can only say question. what I and also purely because my I'm, I read a lot and obviously I remember things and forget things and every year and every day and every month is always changing, but. I have certain authors who I will always hold very dear. Go on then. So Virginia Woolf is something. I, when I was about 17, I read Mrs. Dalloway. And, I, and it, it, again, that was a real mind-blowing moment of thinking, hang on, this is a book without any chapters. And it's, there's so many different perspectives and it's moving in and out of people's minds. And how does this work? How does it work? How she made this work? How am I convinced that I'm in someone else's head? This is unbelievable. And it felt so very real to me. And I'd never met someone who writ, wrote with such or come across anyone who'd written with such sort of honesty, I suppose. And there she was writing, you know, at the time, 90, 80, 90 years before I was even born. So to have that experience just felt incredible. There was that hand reaching out and, you know, brilliant. So um, that was, that, she's always going to be a big thing for me. Um, a quite obscure Swiss writer called Robert Volser, who writes these weird little, what are known as sketches. Um, and he wrote these little microscripts. So they found, after he died, sadly, loads of little stories that were written on sort of scraps of paper in this tiny little handwriting that turned out to be about 5,000 words. He's a very unusual little writer, but he's great. They're really fun, cute, and just full of life little stories. Um, but in terms of people writing today, and I'm thinking this because I've just read a couple of books by this person, um, but there's a few people that I really, really love and really rate. Um, and that would be Donald Ryan, who's an Irish oh, writer. I love Donald Ryan. Yeah. I think he is just wonderful. If you haven't read anything by him, you have His to stories. go out. Yeah, just incredible. Um, there's an amazing, amazing book called um, 
the Spinning Heart, which is just wonderful, um, which is great. But his new one, which is called From a Low and Quiet Sea, I've just finished. And again, he's just, the way he does structure of books, the language, he's just fantastic. And people need to know about him. Tim Pears, he's incredible. He's just done a thing called the, the West Country Trilogy, um, which is just a really wonderful depiction starting in about, I think it's 1911. Starts with a young, young boy who's a son of a carter on a farm in the West Country and just sort of follows his life. But it, it evokes that period of time so perfectly and in such gentle, wonderful, precise prose. It's really, I mean, yeah, wonderful. So that's just a couple of my really favourite, you know, people writing today. Um, but there are so many. I could go on f forever, of course. Um, I you could, and yeah. then, I, then I could talk about publishers as well because there's so many great publishers, you know, yeah. independent publishers. That's another thing that I suppose before writing the book, working the bookshop, I should say, you wouldn't necessarily think about, but you get used to publishers. We've got a little dog in the bookshop. I'm excited now. by the dog in yes. the bookshop. No, we, no, that's good. It's, it's Biff, good. isn't it? Hey, Biff. Biff, Biff comes to the shop quite a lot. Biff is oh, a lovely Biff dog. Biff like to read. Hey. He I bet. He oh, he looks like an intelligent fellow. Look. Has a sleep. Yeah. Look at Biff. Hello. Hiya. Hiya. There he goes picking books already. Joe, one final question, because clearly, you know, we're just now in the way of um, no, you're actual not at all. No, you no, should I, I ask do, other questions. And I, no, my, my final question, I think, is simply what what's the what's the best thing about being a bookseller? The best thing about being yeah. a bookseller yeah. is being able to have the best kind of conversations all day, every day. It's as simple as that. I mean, you have no idea what people are going to talk about when they come in, but books are gateways to ideas, aren't they? And so, therefore, people come in with all kinds of ideas, and you might. One day someone might come in and talk to you and buy a book on music and then introduce you to a brand new artist and an album you've never heard of and you'll be playing that in the bookshop for the rest of the day and then other people say, what is this amazing music? And you go, oh, this other guy came and bought this book. Or it might be someone tells you an amazing fact about history or it might be that someone comes in and says, have you ever read this person? This, this person's amazing. Because I can't read everything, sadly, but I'd love to. But sometimes it's the, you know, it's the customers and the community that are recommending books yeah. to me. Um, and it's also working with the team here, so Henry, Megan and Nikki, who's the book designer who helps us as well. They've, they've got so many brilliant ideas and read such brilliant things and it's good fun to work with. So Amazing. it's lovely, it's lovely. Amazing, <laughs> well Joe, we're gonna leave you to it. Um, thank you for letting us crash no, a day in the shop with you. Um, yeah, and great. you. You know that we have, we're right behind you. We're wishing you the, only you. the best of thank luck. Thank you so much. Keep yeah. fingers crossed. Thanks for listening and thanks and good luck to Joe. Please do support your local bookshops, big or small or somewhere in between. And before we go, I just wanted to give um, a bit of a shout out to a, a day long workshop or an inspiration day, as we like to call it, that's coming up this week on Saturday, the 27th of April. Um, and this is a really great um, all day kind of session with lots of opportunities for networking with um, other like minded writers, opportunities for uh, Q&As. Um, there's a few writing exercises and some presentations from uh, Michael Doncor, Benjamin Johncock and Jen Campbell. It's very much um, looking at how you can um, weave your writing into your life um, and how to make a living from writing as well. So I think it's going to be really, really excellent, quite relaxed, informal day. The sun will hopefully be shining at Dragon Hall so we can have, you know, some refreshments in the garden and things like that. And I just encourage anyone who's got that Saturday spare to come along, really. Yeah, and I think any one of those 
people would be worth coming to see. Yeah. So getting all Absolutely. three of them on one day is pretty yeah, exciting. and they've you know they are people who have gone from you know writing in their spare time and building a habit to becoming you know published writers who are on kind of writing schedules and working with agents and those sorts of things. So these are things that they have done. So I think they'll be able to offer some really vital, useful insight. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, if you have questions or want to get in touch, uh, you can contact me on Twitter at Tarnamus and Steph. At Steph X McKenna. Yeah, and if you want to send the National Centre for Writing questions or looking for advice, then you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Writers Centre. We have a Facebook page. You can sign up to our newsletter at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk, which is a really good idea because we send out a monthly newsletter with writing opportunities mm. and upcoming events and what have you so that you don't miss anything. And you can email us at info at nationalcentreforwriting.org.uk. So thanks again for listening. Keep on writing and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm.